What's good? This is Marcus DeFingas, D-A-F-I-N-G-A-Z, and I'm a trailer music composer focusing on sync licensing and trailer music, and you are listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Gildy Flores, an award-winning multi-genre musician, composer, and producer. His credits include HBO Max's series, The Garcias, films like The Wolverine, trailer music for titles like Uncharted and The Last of Us, and music for the NFL Network and Mercedes and Netflix and others. In all, he's had over 2,000 placements. It's amazing. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Gildy and I are going to do what I call a song fest. We're going to listen to a few of his best works, and you'll hear some of it, and we'll talk about it. You'll get the backstories, and nobody else does this in podcasts, I assure you. You also know that I like to feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make it relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, follow me. I've chosen the song Out of Tahini that I wrote for the album Play by my band Project Grand Slam. Well, why did I do that? Well, I just said that Gildy has had over 2,000 placements, which is crazy to me. My song also had a placement in an episode of the then-hit NBC series Lipstick Jungle, starring Brooke Shields. And I even had a small speaking part. How about that? So I thought that it was relevant. So Gildy, Flores, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I can't even imagine what it's like to have 2,000 placements. I was so nervous when I got the call to do the song that I just mentioned. And it was part of five songs that were in this one episode of this series. And as I said, they gave me a speaking part. Now, I'm a musician. I'm used to getting up there. I'm playing music. I can have a, a crowd of thousands. I was terrified that I had to do some speaking in this thing. They gave me one line. I blew it about 30 times. Okay. <laughs> Surprised they didn't fire me on the spot. Have you ever done anything like that on top of the placements? Not Actually, a speaking part, you know, I've done some some things where I've had to like basically come around and and kind of give gratitude, if you will, on camera or on video audio. And that on its own was something, you know, of course, it was all behind the scenes type stuff. So like especially for like the Garcia's thing. And so it wasn't anything that I had to like be publicly shared. People had to go find it, which was great. So I felt like I was in my shell regardless you can be kind of anonymous if you're doing the music in the background, huh? Absolutely. That's where I found pleasure in what we do as, you know, as a creative. Like what I get to do is work, you know, in my pajamas, as they say, 
And like, man, I hold that truth. Like, in fact, I'm wearing pajamas right now. So. All right. We don't want to get too personal about this whole thing, <laughs> but you never wanted to be out front. You never wanted to, you know, be the front person for the audience. No, you know, when I first started, of course, it's like a part of the dream. And then you realize that's not where I am. Like I had a lot of things where I was seeing all these things wrong with my looks and, you know, wasn't comfortable with my teeth at the time. So I kind of just bask, you know, put that in a basket and thought, okay, this is what I'm rolling with. So then I kind of just did my thing behind the scenes. Then I started to like, okay, I'm getting a lot of people asking questions, you know, influencing on the sink and how I've done it. How am you doing it? So I got my teeth fixed, got my hair fixed and went out and just started getting in front of the cameras. So I don't know how I even got here or there, but you know, life changes. It's all good. Tell me about the transition, okay? As a kid, were you pushed into music? Did you go there yourself? Did you always want to be a musician? Did you want to be, you know, a rock and roll star? Tell me what the beginnings were. All of it. I've wanted to be, I think it all to sum it down into like being a rock star. I, I was fascinated with like, you know, the iconic 50s and 60s. And I, I used to have like an old PV guitar and a little amplifier and I'd plug it in and strum everything till I bust a string. And then I'd just turn the amp off and just put a, a CD on and just play along. I was on stage and things of that nature. Well, in my high school year, that kind of actually, that dream became a reality. And I joined a group, toured the United States as a high school, you know, student and got to the point where they're like, hey, you're going to either have to choose playing with your band or graduating. So, of course, graduating one, I quit the band. And yeah, I just kind of went behind the scenes from that point on as a sound engineer and into production. And I've got to work with some of my, you know, people not idols, but like people that I've really admired. I've been able to work with them in their facilities. So I'm telling you the whole dream, dream it until it it, it becomes existence is, you know, I'm, I'm a living uh, testimony of that. All right. So I'm curious, you know, you're much younger than me. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested, what kind of music were you listening to when you were a teenager, when you were out there playing with a band? Who were some of the groups or the acts that turned you on when you were that age? Oh my gosh, that is a great melting pot because I mean, it's everywhere from Metallica to Bon Jovi all the way to uh, Mozart and down into like, gosh, um, I've just, I've always been fascinated with movie scores. You know what I mean? And even at the time, I couldn't even tell you who they were, but I was just fascinated with scores. And I just thought I would never be able to do anything like that because I wasn't formally taught. So I just kind of put that on the back burner but that's always my go-to. I'd always go listen to scores from just multiple different types of, you know, film, uh, things of that nature. All right, hold on a second. When you say scores, you mean the background music, the ebb and swell of what's going on behind the scenes? Or do you mean, you know, the songs that captivate a musical, you know, like West Side Story? Was that the kind of score that you're talking about? No, more of the underscore uh, background, you know, just the soundtracks for the films. I would always go buy those that I'd have. I remember specifically Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I love the, the score of that. So I would go get that. And on the other arm, I had Metallica. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could see Metallica playing Dracula music. OK, right. <laughs> they go together. Yeah, I just never had a, a, a specific, you know, it's always like I was so learning now or knowing now I've always been so open to music of all sorts. 
And that's why I'm blessed to have those 2000 plus placements is because I'm very versatile in music, like a chameleon. So yeah, I, I think that's just the secret is just being so open and never in a box on what you prefer, especially working in visual media. Were you turned on by people like John Williams? Because, you know, he's the godfather of film scores, right? Yes, absolutely. All of his everything from Back to the Future, um, Home Alone even, like everything that he's done, themes, thematic, you know, it's just I've kind of studied his work and how he does everything from the piano first. And then from the inception is just the idea and then how it just becomes what it is. And yeah, it's always been fascinating. But like Hans Zimmer, you know, and then it just kind of Danny Elfman. I was from that era. And that's actually why I got into orchestration. When I learned that these cats were actually musicians first, I was like, what? Like they weren't formally trained. And then I then you kind of really get a peek behind the wizard's cloak, you know, and now that sounds bad. I'd say behind the magic curtain. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, it was like one of those things that once you realize it, it's like, God, where have I been my entire life? I've been holding myself back. You know, what most people don't realize, of course, when you're out there watching a movie, you're trying to follow the characters, you're trying to follow the storyline, but the music is giving you the cues emotionally and in oh, yeah. every other way as to what's really happening there. And of course, you're not really paying complete attention most of the time to it. But if you ever watch the movie scene with and without music, you would think that you're watching two completely different things, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And I'll do one better on that. Go and take one of your favorite scene, favorite films or whatnot and do like the juxtaposition or anything you can think of, like push mute on it, put another piece of music in its place and see how well, you know, how impactful music is to picture. You're right about that. You can find stuff on YouTube. Yeah, there's just certain scenes. You swap the music out. And I, I don't know if you've seen that with the, the with the Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris about to fight each other. And they yeah. put like a, a Marvin Gaye song on there. And it's like, <laughs> what? It's a, It changes the narrative completely, man. So yeah, music is is so powerful. Okay. You know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, the guy's talking about Metallica. And I'm <laughs> saying to myself, you know, what if you had like a Saving Private Ryan or some, you know, Schindler's List. And all oh, of a yeah. sudden you got Metallica going on in the background. Yep. What a crazy thing that would be, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. Music really does drive the narrative. I mean, it, it takes it where it needs to be. It's that heart tugging, you know, the emotion that we all have. You know, we watch a scene and it really does draw out that emotion to bring a tear. And it, it's amazing. I, I yeah, it's my life. <laughs> all right. So tell me, how, how did you get into this life? I got into it by, oh, you know what? Just to backtrack a quick second, my father, my father literally I, he had bands, he had like local bands. And I think he had a problem Like we all as musicians probably can relate, keeping band members and keeping those band members that are serious about it. And the other ones that are just kind of, you know, hanging out. Well, he saw me one day, I had an ear for it. I was playing something on the keyboard just by hearing a commercial. And he thought, I just got promoted to being a guitar player. So he taught me basics. And he was like the father of like sitting there watching me making sure that I got it done. Instead of being outside and playing and stuff, I had the father that was sitting there with his arms crossed, you know, watching me and making sure I was getting it done. So I was, I would say, I can see this now, forced into music. I didn't want it, you know, but it's like, now it's like, I always send the res random text to my dad. Yo, thank you, dad. Thanks for this, man. Because 
I wouldn't have ever had this if you wanted to push me into it, you know? I understand exactly what you're saying. And I've said this on the podcast before. It wasn't my father that pushed me into music, although my father was my idol in that respect because he played the trumpet. And that's what I played after I couldn't take the piano anymore at five years of age. But the one that made me practice was my mother. Every oh. <laughs> day she'd stand outside the room and she'd say, one day you're going to thank me for this. And you oh know my what? Gosh. That's exactly what happened. Everybody could use a parent sitting there telling them, get back to practice. That's it. And I, th I don't think we really realize that until we evolve into who we become later in life. You know how they say you get wiser as well. You should get wiser as you get older. And nice. I, I sit there and have these aha moments all the time of remembering all these things that they told me, you wait till one day, blah, blah, blah. My gosh. And I'm saying the same things to my daughter. So it's like, it is, it is definitely full circle. That's exactly right. But yeah, passion is what got me, got me into it. Just going back to your question. Um, but yeah, I just went behind the scenes. I was always looking for music, always open. It never let me know what I needed to do. So, but I wanted it so bad. It was like a curse almost because I lost so many jobs trying to hold a resume in the work world and follow a music career. And it got to the point where I just finally led me to where I am today. Leo, being a sound engineer, musician, touring, all the things that I've done, I realized I needed every single one of those things to be who I am today. I'm just a hard hit, so it took me longer. But you know what? I'm here, so it's all good. All right. So tell me how this all works. Do you get solicited to do work for a particular film or TV, or do you just start to write things and send them into libraries and agents? How does this all work? I think the latter is where I started. I was definitely writing a lot and, and sending stuff that would just get flopped everywhere, never, nothing ever stuck. And then I realized... Is it them or is it me? You know, you have that one question with yourself and then you really kind of look, okay, do I really know how to write for TV film? Do I know how to write for picture? No, I don't. It's not just like sending in your, your you know, top song on the USA countdown is not, won't always work perfectly if it's not formatted that way. So long story short, I learned formatting was the key. So instead of taking a three minute and 20 second song, I learned how to narrow it down to two minutes to two minutes and 15, make it go into the, you know, right off with very short intro, right into the hook, right into the verse. And see, just that little simple thing was how I started to do all my music pieces. Once I had a library ready to go, I tried that whole pitching thing and letting them, you know, reaching out to people. Once now it was a whole different story because I started getting, hey, this is great because it was formatted to what, you know, what they wanted. So all that to say, I think it's just learning your medium of what you're going for and really, really, really learn it before you go take those dives. Because if you're taking dives first, you don't know if the water, what's underneath you. So learn where the water is before you dive. You know, I think that's the best thing that I could <laughs> advice I could give. Well, you know, and also, as you pointed out, this is not about taking a song catalog and just throwing it at the wall and saying how many of these songs could fit somewhere. I mean, oh, you're yeah. creating music for specific uses, whether it's TV or film. It's a particular scene. It's a particular character. It's very pointed in that regard. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every medium is going to have its different needs and expectations. So I've seen some of the greats that, you know, I've been able to watch, you know, what they've submitted and even 
people with names and like billboards and Grammys have gotten their song rejected because it just did not work with the picture. So it's nothing personal. It's just very niche. It's got to fit with what is being needed and told and represented by picture. So once you realize that, then it's it's good to just to basically take your ego out from it and realize it's nothing to do with you and how good your music is. It's just if it fits that scene. And that's the key element that will stop knocking yourself down when you're not getting those placements. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. In 1994, I recorded my first album called Miles Behind. It features world-class guest musicians like Randy Brecker of Blood, Sweat and Tears, Anton Figg of The David Letterman Show, Al Foster from Miles Davis's band, and Tim Reese from The Rolling Stones. I'm excited to say that this album has just been released on the internet for the first time. The 10 tracks include originals like Child's Play. Plus reimagined covers of Jimi Hendrix's Fire. You don't care for me. I don't care about that. You got a new fool. Huh. I like it like that. I have only one burning desire. Let me stand next to your fire. Let me stand. And Chick Corea's Sea Journey. I'm very proud of this album. It's crossover jazz that's been called hip, tight, and edgy. I think that captures it. Miles Behind can be streamed on Spotify, Apple, and all the other streaming platforms. As always, I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast and to my music, and keep on rocking. Okay, well, this is a good segue into the second part of this interview, the Songfest, because now people can actually hear what we're talking about. So underneath us right now, I am playing the first thing you sent me, which is Call of Duty. All right, tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, they were looking for something that was pretty drum heavy. They wanted something that kind of did the appeal that they were going for. You know, they kind of just described it as 
Kanye West, something that's just kind of urban, just really out there. So with that said, sometimes they'll give you briefs that don't really explain a lot and you just got to kind of fill the blanks in. So that's kind of what we did. We took the inspiration and I felt reached out to a guy, David Morgan, who's a good rapper, lyricist, brought him on top of that just to bring it. But I, I'm not sure if this one, they use just the instrumental or that, but that was kind of the thing. So that's what we brought, went with. Got it. Okay. Go to the next one. This is Far Cry 4 and it's a trailer. elephants but them monkeys they gonna need a little bit more 10 11 care from old Herc here dude meet the impaler it's not just for whales anymore Capros, yeah man shit just got real Tell us first what a trailer is. We've gone through this with a couple of other guests, but it always helps to repeat to make sure everybody gets it. No, exactly. And I think what it is in a nutshell is to promotion to like get you hyped up for what's to come. You know, they take the bits and pieces, the best pieces to like really strike your interest and make you want to go either see the movie, buy the game or whatever it is that they're selling to you. They're literally trying to make you jump aboard that trailer. Got it. So it's like when you go onto Netflix and before you hit play and to the right is that thing that says trailer. It's that two minute thing that's going to hype you up, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They know how to do it, too. It, it basically tells, you know, it's three acts to every trailer. So it's it's definitely gets you gets you moving. Tell me about this. What does three acts to every trailer mean? So we got an intro. I think of this, watch any trailer that you watch your next one. Keep this in mind. So you got the intro that's basically setting up like it's setting up the whole ambience of everything. Then you got your act two, which is telling a little bit of the story. It's getting you hooked. Then they have the climax, which is act three. And that's where everything is happening. They're throwing all of it at you at once. And then they hook you at the very end, right before they splash that title card. By this point, they've got you so wound up that they just release what it is. And you're just like, I'm seeing that. So it's, it's a whole movement in the whole process of two minutes and 15 seconds. All right. I, I got to definitely check out this manipulation the next time that I <laughs> look at one of these trailers. Oh, yeah. I'm just curious. There's so many streaming platforms now. Is that good for your business or not? Yes, absolutely. As far as the work goes. But I think what's what's really playing a big factor is how it we get paid. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of the companies at one time where where they would, you know, us composers and creatives would come in, we get hired to do the music, we could even keep some of the back end stuff like that. Then it goes revolves to where, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't, I'm very safe to say greed, but it's like, I think we're all just trying to go with the times and evolve and, and things are kind of stuck in the past. Like, you know, when we went from tape into the CD era, into the digital era, a lot of the stuff is still tacked onto the tape era. You know what I mean? So it's not going to, work to the benefit if it's in a new modern that hasn't been completely changed. So us in the digital world or us working with streaming and stuff, there there's ways that they could do all that without paying us as we should be. And this was part of the reason why there was that strike recently, right? To try and get this all worked out in a right side manner. 
Absolutely, because it's easier to pay you one go and not let you and basically take your publishing on the back end, give you your writer's share. But instead of giving you 100 percent of your song that you're bringing to the table, you're bringing a portion of it. Well, you get to take a portion of it with you, plus you get paid for the time that you actually sat and had to do this all. You know, so it's it's how you look at it. It's how you look at it. But it, in a nutshell, it is just the evolution that we're all just trying to make sense of. You know, in the old days, this is long before you were born, for rock acts to get signed, they had to give away all of their publishing rights, okay? And nobody ever thought back then, I'm talking about the 50s and the 60s, that this was worth anything. Wow. Because they all thought that it was going to be, the music would be around for a year or two, and that would be the end of it. And of course, now that you have this stuff lasting 50, 60 or more years, the publishing rights, the ownership of the music has become so important. And I think that's part of what you're discussing here. Who gets what share of the ownership? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen what happened with Walt Disney. I mean, Mickey Mouse came into 100 years, and now that the original Mickey Mouse is now what public domain. So they're making horror movies on Mickey Mouse now. The, so it's like, yeah, it, it's just that capturing of 100 years that, that it stays with the person. So in the person's mind, I'm not going to live that long. Somewhere I'm surely to die within that or... You know, so might as well, might as well keep it, you know, hold on to it while I'm here and having this experience. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. I mentioned Far Cry 4, which was the trailer, but you didn't mention anything about it. So tell us a little bit about that trailer. That is a video game from a company called Ubisoft. And what it is, is that I tried out for it and I ended up meeting the audio director for the project, which led me on to doing a few more other spots. So it's just, uh, it's basically setting up the game. It's just a survival type video game. They're stuck in a uh, far cry from home. They're stuck in a, in a different island or whatever situation, and the characters just got to get out. Are there any zombies in this? I kind of like the zombie stuff. <laughs> Actually, on Far Cry 4, I do not believe so. On this one particularly, no. All right. Well, then maybe Far Cry 6 will be zombies or something. Like that. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. This is Sir Roosevelt. I can't deny there's something about you, you, and all the little things that you do, do. Girl, I can't explain it no matter how hard I try to put my finger on it. There's just something about you, something about you, you. Got me feeling something brand new. Ooh, I think I'm going crazy. It's more than just your mind. It's more than just your body, baby. It's just something about me. Something about you. Tell us about this one. That is a side project from the country star uh, Zach Brown. Zach Brown had his own little uh, thing going on. He wanted to take a different dive at music, so he had this album put out. It was like basically like an experimental type. It's uh, country roots of country, and it's got like a EDM that it's kind of playing with and. So it's got a lot of mixture of things. It's a very, very cool project, but I actually got to work at that with Timbaland, uh, Tim Mosley, the producer. Pharrell actually even got to work on this. And yeah, it was a really, really, really fun project, man. Something so off the wall, but really fun to do. Excellent. All right, let's go to the next one. Jailbreak music video. My dad. I don't want to see this place no more. Think it's time to leave it in the dust. Get the homies in the field and wage a war. Let the militant ones out the cage. They ain't afraid of the club on the taste. They just brave stepping outside these cones, cuz. I think it's time we go. 
Homeboys don't dream with no boy When you miss me, you miss up the whole convoy Carry on boy, you see if it turns out for you It is imminent that you now will lose In a minute this will be counting news Everybody in the land will be off for you Can I give a hand on how to choose? Well, then I guess he'd rather snooze Yes, that is a Netflix animated series called My Dad, the Bounty Hunter. And I was brought in to do some additional composition for it. And on this one in particular, they were having a jailbreak. They had these little beings that were captured. And this is the moment they were done and they're breaking out. So hence the name. This one actually was on a ballot to be nominated for a Grammy. So it was very interesting and very, very cool project again. And was my first take at animation. Oh, interesting. Now, this was on Netflix, if I remember. Yes. Do they all pay the same, you know, or and for your purposes, are they all about the same? I'm talking about the different streaming services, or there are some that are better than others for the musicians? Yeah, they're all different. They all work differently. And it all depends on a lot of different factors that are at play and I mean, how you get paid, you know, so it's like, of course, experience, novice, whatever you are. They kind of base a lot of that, the kind of pull that you make on your own as a creator, what you've done, all that comes into factor on, okay, this is what we're going to pay this person. Or it, everything has different you know, stipulations and everything to it. So to answer in a nutshell, nothing is ever just set in stone. This is the way you're going to get paid. There's so many factors. It's not simple anymore, is it? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, the company that you're working for how great is it? How many viewers do they have? When does it show? What time of play? You know, who's all watching it? What age factors? All of that takes a role on on determining, you know, what you get as far as the back end goes, especially. All right. Well, listen, I hope after the strike that's been settled, you all can make a decent living doing all of this. I know you love what you do. Oh, yeah. We have been speaking here with Gildy Flores, and it's just remarkable that you've done so well in this area. And I want to wish you continued success. I will take all of that and put it right back at you. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. I appreciate that. My pleasure. We're going to listen now to that song that started off the episode. It's my song called Out of Tahiti. I want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com. Project Grand Slam.